Welcome to Wardrobe Wisdom. My name is Sarah Gale, and I'm the host of this podcast and the founder of Wearing Your Worth. After over three decades in the fashion industry, including judge on Project Runway Australia, coupled with 25 years in the personal development space, I'm so excited to bring to you this podcast where we delve into the psychological relationship we have with our clothes as a way to inform our style and uncover the true power of our wardrobes. My intention for you is that you get to view your wardrobe with a whole new lens. In this series, we'll discover origins of our angst and insecurities in how we dress and how to use our clothes as a transformational embodiment tool to reclaim our authenticity, our true power and beauty from the inside out every single morning when we get dressed. Hello everyone and welcome to Wardrobe Wisdom. I am honestly genuinely so super excited for the conversation that I'm about to have with one of my most favorite women on this planet actually. Um, Her name is Lael Stone so welcome Lael. Mm, Thank you that's that's that wow that's an introduction just there thank you that's beautiful I'm so happy to be here oh look I've been really looking forward to this conversation and I know it's taken us a few months to get our schedules aligned to do it so I'm I'm yeah I'm really happy to have this for those of people out there that don't know Lael let me just um allow them to have a privy to your bio because it's pretty extensive it's like before we went on air which part of this will I give them <laughs> so I, I'm going to give give you all enough of a um view of Lael because she is awesome so Lael champions connection and creating harmony in fa- in families she's an educator TEDx speaker author mother and parenting counselor who's been working with families for over 17 years now she's an aware parenting instructor and facilitates workshops and support groups that empower parents to create connections and stronger relationships with their children. Uh, Lael spent 15 years working in childbirth education, postnatal care, working with couples through pregnancy, birth, and the first few years of parenting as a doula, calm birth practitioner, and postnatal trauma counsellor. I mean, gosh, there is so much that (laughs) that you do, Lael. She's also just She's a co-creator of Woodline Primary School, which is a brand new school um, launched in 2021. And it's based on emotional well-being and connection. She's also the co-host of the Aware Parenting podcast. And obviously, from all her accolades so far, is a sought-after public speaker. And what I love about, I mean, I love so many things about you, Lael, but you're really candid when you speak. You're really raw. You're super passionate about what you love in this world and the causes that you really bring such expertise and passion to. So I, yeah, for anyone who doesn't know Lael, it's like, look her up. She's amazing. All the details will be below the podcast. And if you've got families, if you've got kids of any age, she's just an absolute whiz at what she does. So yeah. Welcome. Oh, I'm so- thank you. <laughs> Hi, you are welcome. Mm. You are absolutely welcome. So, Lael, I mean, over the years we've known each other because I have known your mum like for twenty odd years mm. or so, mm. and um, and then obviously we mixed in some similar circles, and. I think I looked up the times, I think it was about two and a half years ago now that Mm. we did the Wearing Your Worth session with you. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I know, look, you've been an incredible ambassador um, for Wearing Your Worth and shared your story a lot and, you know, sent loads of referrals over to me, which, you know, super, super thankful for that. And I just really wanted to have this conversation because, with you to find out your own personal experience with wearing your worth because you had some amazing patterns in mm. your wardrobe mm. and that often I use as examples as I go into <laughs> because there I see them a lot, right? Mm. And you articulated them and, and were so raw in your energy of them that it was it was such a beautiful learning for me and it has been for so many women going through mm. like courses and one-on-ones. So I thought who better than to get on than someone who can really articulate that because I'm sure a lot of women listening will really get to understand 
some of their own patterns or maybe start to see some of their own reflections over your experience with you, your wardrobe and how that comes in actually to the whole emotional balance in your life as well. Mm, mm. Yes. I mean, look, the first thing I always say when I talk about you and your work, Sarah, is that every single human needs to have you in their wardrobe because it is so, it's so profound um, what you do. And it is just another piece in the awareness around who you are and how we present ourselves to the world. And, you know, to be really honest, like two and a half years ago before we did it, I I really thought you'd come along and go, you know, you should wear more of the colour green or perhaps wear a scarf with this. I mean, (laughs) like I I remember saying to you, um, I have done a lot of self-development work. Like I have done every course you can possibly imagine about finding self from like just everything, right? And wow, your work that you did with me, I remember thinking there are not many workshops or things that I want to get up and walk out of. (laughs) But I was so deliciously confronted because you really called in me who are you and what are you doing and I just never expected that my clothes were going to show me that it was a game changer I remember just telling everybody you've got to do this because it opened up a whole other side to myself that I realized I was hiding in it was just so profound and it was confronting but in the most beautiful way because it really helped me to see where I was hiding in my life and like we've talked about this like so many things shifted when I realized about what I was putting on my body, how I felt about myself, it really moved me forward in many, many different ways uh, in the world. So it was for me, it was one of those pivotal points in my journey of um, of growth and expansion that really, really brought so much change for me. I, that's why I just I just champion your work all the time. I think it's incredible, it really is. Mm, well, thank you so much. That's really beautiful, really beautiful. Lael, I'd love to dive into some of the specifics. Are you okay if we do that around your Yeah, experience? yeah, of course. You're fabulous. Yep. Oh, I love this. So yep. one of the patterns that I remember that we found early, and maybe I'll describe what went on to get to the pattern, and then if I could, I'd love to hear what was going on for you. So I'll give you what mm-hmm. I witnessed. Could we do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. yeah, for sure. Go. Okay, so what I did was I asked you a number of different questions to get out different things in your wardrobes. And according to what I asked, you, you brought out a lot of different clothes and popped them in, on your bed. The thing was most of the clothes were all the same according to, to <laughs> what I asked, right? There was a lot of, um, and actually before I even go there, I just want to say to everyone listening, there is no right or wrong, good or bad in anything that you wear. It's just Does it align with the truth of who you are? Is it congruent with Mm. yourself? So now that Mm -hmm. I've said that, there was a lot of black leggings, a lot of oversized tops in either black or blue, and, like, there was like a uniform that was on your bed. Mm -hmm. And when Mm -hmm. I asked you to put these pieces on, I'm not sure whether you actually remember it, but I can't get it out of my mind. It's like it's, it's concreted in there, right? What I heard and saw you say was, and I'd say to you, how do you feel in that? And you scrunched your shoulders up, your body language became constricted, and you said, yeah, yeah, I I feel good. I feel comfortable (laughs) in that kind of voice, which we're not hearing today, right? Mm -hmm, It's within mm -hmm. a kind of a screechy voice. And to begin with, I thought, you know, nerves kick in right? As you say, it can be a confronting process. It's very brave of people to to have someone come into their wardrobe. Um, But what I saw is one piece after another, the word you kept using was comfortable, but you Mm. looked and sounded far from comfortable. Mm. So Mm. I had my own dialogue going on inside about what, what was happening, what I could feel from you, but I'd really like, do you remember that time? Mm, I do. I remember feeling very <laughs> confronted. <laughs> yeah, I think what was what was going on for me it was really interesting. I think the first when you said lay out your favorite pieces, and then I did, and I remember being shocked. I'm like, oh my god, they're all the same. Like they're all the same, different kind of things. And you were like, where would you wear this? Where would you wear that? And it was a mixture of kind of work and every day. And 
And what became so to become really apparent to me was like it was like an armor, <laughs> like it was like something that I'd put on to go, okay, so now I'm going out into the world and I am being this person or I am doing this. And um, and it wasn't comfortable, even though I would say, yeah, it was comfortable. And probably the comfort was around that it was stretchy or it wasn't tired. And, you know, I was kind of like, yeah, it's okay, I could wear this. But um, it was very... Yeah, I, I remember feeling this, wow, this is look like an armor. This is an armor, you know, that that I'm seeing here. And and I, I was kind of shocked. It was almost funny. I remember laughing, thinking, oh my God, they're all the same because I am I've got this whole thing going on here, which is of protection, of protection about what I'm wearing and what I'm taking out into the world. And that's I remember just like being a bit shocked of like, whoa, I thought I was for me, I thought, I thought I was really where and I thought I was really kind of conscious of this stuff and then I realized oh I just wasn't I was completely hiding Mm, beautiful and that hiding you know it's really interesting because I see this a lot when people go into this addiction to comfort and Mm. actually because I remember actually what happens is they're hiding under Mm. Mm. the practicalities of comfort Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. they're not allowing themselves and I remember before we, because we always go through a pre-session questionnaire where I ask you so many questions about both your wardrobe and your life, and I remember that there was something around your business that you said to me um, that you felt like you had a glass ceiling mm. at that point in time, like you were you were ready for larger stages. You hadn't done TEDx talk by then. Mm. You had I, actually you hadn't applied for it by that stage either. Mm. Had you mm-hmm. know it was earlier than there, so. There was, there was a lot of you really wanted to branch out and what I was seeing in the wardrobe was what was that same thing. It was like I'm going to stay small. I'm going to pretend I've got this glass ceiling, that I'll just stay within this comfort zone and that was kind of mirroring and what you were telling me about your business mm-hmm. as well. It was mm. fascinating, right? Mm. Mm, totally. And, I mean, I look back at that and think it was a big turning point between or for me of actually saying yes to um, expanding, to stepping out more into the world, for for being courageous, for taking more risks, all that kind of stuff. And I think when I look at that, it was a big, the clothing was just, it was literally keeping me safe. And even though part of me is like, I want to be seen and I'm ready to be out in the world, there was another stronger part that goes, no, 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 that's not, that's not safe, so don't do it. And so let's hide. And I think that's what my clothes were reflecting big time. Yeah, that's beautiful. Such amazing awareness too. What happened next? Do you remember there was a blue dress? Yeah, I think it was, um, I actually think it was a black one because it was one that, um, is this the one where it was the elegance one? Was that that? that? Yes. Was it a black yeah, dress? It was a black one. Yeah, right, it, was a, got it. Okay. it was this beautiful black dress that was the most expensive dress I think I'd ever bought and um, I'd worn it to a wedding or two, but just I was like, oh, I, would, I don't really wear this anywhere. But I think when I put it on, I was like, you know, well, you obviously said, wow, how do you look and feel now? And yeah, I was feeling uncomfortable in it because how I felt or what it made me feel was this incredible sense of um, power and elegance and beauty. And I was just like, no, but I can't wear this. And I remember probably even saying, I can't wear this to school pickup. Like, you know, I'm a mum and you know all these kind of things that I can't own these pieces of me. Um, but it was, I remember clearly it was a game changer because what happened is all of a sudden you said, look at how you look now, you know, and how I was standing, how I was feeling was the contrast to the hiding was this element of being seen and actually stepping into really who you are and the power of it. But there was a lot of resistance <laughs> from my, from me around it. I remember being like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. But no, I can't do that every day. Or, um, you know, well, that's just for a special occasion or, you know, but that's not who I really am, you know. So there was a lot of resistance that came up for me around it. Yeah, I remember that too. Thank you for articulating that. And what I remember most is, first of all, the, the look on your face when I asked you to put that dress on. Mm. And it was almost like I'm not treading that path. Mm, like, mm. no, I'm. I th- that's no. Mm. And almost like this kind of there was an agitation, mm. but 
present. And I think we always know when we're onto something mm. when that agitation comes up, mm. right? Mm. And then when you got on and I asked you how you felt, it took a few goes because it was almost, and this is what happens, right? When we're connecting on the inside to really find that piece of us that hasn't had voice, mm. it's like we've got to go through the layers and the filters. Mm. And I remember saying to you, do you feel elegant and your whole face? It was like you went to yes and then you went to the, but I couldn't wear. I mean, you know, this isn't this isn't for every day. Mm. And, blah, blah, blah. and there, were all, there was all this mm. verbiage around it. And mm. for the listeners, I just want to assure you, I wasn't suggesting that Lael <laughs> wear her, her beautiful, elegant, black tie, black dress. Pick up, yeah. right? That wasn't it. But it was finding the elements mm. that were in that. And elegant was one. Do you remember mm. the other piece that was in there? Um, it was, um, oh, because I, I don't think I could even use the words, um, I don't know if it was stylish. No, it was something else. There was another word that I couldn't let myself use because I remember thinking, no, I can't be that. That's somebody else. Oh, now I can't remember what it was, but I remember filing it. Yeah, uh, I don't know if it was sophisticated. It was something like that. Um, yeah. and I remember just going, oh, no, it was effortless. Because I think initially what came up was that uh, I want to be elegant. And then I was like, no, no, I can't be elegant. Elegant's not me. Like I'm a little bit more, you know, fun or silly or playful or a bit fumbly and I'm not elegant. Like I'm not that. And so I think then we kind of workshopped. We could use the word effortless, which wouldn't feel as confronting (laughs) to the elegant parts of myself. But I remember resisting it a lot because I had all these ideas or beliefs around, um, you know, what, what that would look like or who that is and and not being able to own that part of myself and it was it was beautiful because I, I, I you know again I just saw how much I was hiding in staying small even though on some level I'm like yeah I want to be out there and I'm doing all these things there was still a part of me that just felt really unsafe being out there and being seen and owning those parts of me, who I am. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I also remember there being a reference to your school days as well in that. Do you remember that? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was, oh, I'm just trying to think now about what came up around that. Uh, I know there was pieces around my mum that came up about mm-hmm. it and and. Oh, I think there was a whole story that came up of like, I can't be elegant because then people might think I'm arrogant. And then, you know, there was all something connected to money and all sorts of stuff that I'd been influenced by. And I was like, I don't want to be that. I want to be real and I want to be accessible. And so there was definitely a whole lot of stories that went with why I couldn't be that part of me. Yeah. It's fascinating, isn't it, that the stories that we come up with, right, Mm. around um, things like elegant or um, I'll get on to sexy next, but that we make these stories that if we're that, then we're not mm-hmm. real, then we're not grounded, yeah. you know, yeah. And, yeah. and then we're pretentious. And I think that was part, you know, around schooling and things like in private schools. I see this a lot, a mm. lot with women who say, mm. you know, I, I'm, no, I'm not going into that elegant piece yet. It's one of their essences, but they've labelled it as pretentious because mm. it felt like that in teenage growing up, um, mm-hmm. for some particularly in the private school sector, but I've seen it across mm-hmm. all sectors, but I just mm. remember a few almost carbon copies and it was like, mm. oh, what is this, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, sorry, were you... No, I was going to say that that was very true for me. And it was, you know, it was, um, I mean, we were workshopping that through as as we were trying on the clothes of just around, yeah, so many of these belief systems that I had around who I thought I should be and what would it mean if I presented like that. And it was, that was what was fascinating because I didn't even realise those stories sat there. I just didn't even realise that they were part of what I was saying every day. You know, and and again, it came back to, I think when I trace all the threads back, it it so came back to this element of feeling safe, like, and and feeling safe was around, 
or don't be too big or don't be seen too much or don't be too confronting or don't be too sexy or don't be this or don't be that because, you know, you want to belong or you want to fit in, which I know is such a driver for so many people in in this safety element of am I, is it safe for me to be who I need to be? But in my case, what I felt like it was, it was just holding me back and they were old belief systems that just did not serve me at all. None of them were even really true. They were just stories I made up around what I thought it meant. And then seeing how I was playing that out every day in my clothes was such a fascinating piece to just go, whoa, what am I presenting to the world? What am I saying about who I want to be and where I want to be? Yeah, fascinating. Thank you Mm. for that. And it is, isn't it, all those patterns that we don't know are there. That's one of the things that I love about the wardrobe because you can't not see them when you dive into it. And then Mm. it's like, oh, if they're behaving here, where else are they playing Mm -hmm. out in my life, right? that's, and, and you know what, for me is really fascinating is like I work, I mean, I do similar work to you, but just not with clothing, right? So I work with families all the time around parenting and, and particularly I work with parents around um, their own childhoods, their own imprints they've had, how that's turning up in their parenting, what their children are mirroring and reflecting back to them. And it's similar kind of themes. How safe is it for me to be here? Am I enough? Am I seen? Like I am, I am not a stranger to this work, right? Like I'm like, that's what I do in my job. <laughs> So it was just so, oh, my God, it was so sweetly confronting seeing my clothing. I was like, oh, my God, I am doing I am doing all the things that I help people with. And we're all human, like we all do it, right? And we're all kind of, I always have this saying, we all come from protection. We're always coming from a place of I need to keep myself safe. But, wow, it blew my mind that that's, that's how it was showing up in my world. Yeah, fascinating, fascinating. And I love that, yeah, because your work parallels different different medium um, Mm. to that. But it's fascinating, isn't it, how our patterns show up in so many different ways, Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. many different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the other things I want to go to next is I remember also in that black dress there was another essence that came up Mm. and that was sexy. Do you remember Mm. that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What, What can you share? about that because I'm super interested to hear your take Mm. rather than my take on Mm. on that so I think within that it was um it brought up a a whole other story around well who does that look like as a mum now you know like I have grown-up children you know or well you know they're 21 18 and 13 so they're a little bit young because it was a few years ago but I think I was in the whole yeah, well, you know, I'm in my 40s now and, you know, I'm a mum and, you know, I don't know what sexy looks like anymore. You know, part of me was still in the teenage, this is what sexy should look like in the maiden version of that. And then, you know, putting on that dress or almost on some level being asked to own that part of myself, again, brought up this really big confronting story. Well, what does that look like now? And who would I be if I am sexy in that level, in that way? And, you know, like that, that brought up a whole other story, you know, and I've been with my husband for like 22 years or something like, you know, we have a beautiful relationship and we're very comfortable and, you know, we're, you know, when you've been with someone for a long time, there's not much mystery anymore. And that was even challenging to go, oh, well, how long, hang on, there's this other side of me that have I just abandoned um, because I'm working or I'm taking care of my kids and what does that look like? And it no longer looks like the body you had when you were 21 or, uh, you know, there's all those elements that came up too of like, well, what would that be to own that? as a woman in her 40s. And so that brought up another element to me that was asking to be felt into and to be seen. But it had to be reworked because I was still, I think, in the teenage, you know, young maiden part of my mind going, no, that's what it looks like. And I was like, actually, it's different when you're in, when you're in your 40s and, mm. and it's more refined and there was a whole different quality that was asking to be felt within it. Mm, that's beautiful. And I love that you've referenced that back to the 20s because I often hear this, 20s and teenage, and it's like I think I don't know what happens. I'm super interested on your feedback here. And because you work with so many other parents, it might be really interesting actually. What I've discovered both in myself um, when I was going through and especially in my 40s, I'm now in my 50s, but with and with other parents and other like um clients as well is that sexy automatically refers people back to their 20s Mm. 
Mm. And it's mm. fascinating, right? And it's like in our 20s, we, I mean, I guess when you look at social media and you look at like marketing and, you know, we do, we do use 20 somethings mm-hmm. as this whole vision of sexy. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we're brainwashed out there to believe that that's what sexy is. Now, Mm -hmm. we're probably more overt in our 20s in doing that because we're in a different Mm. stage of life. And when Mm -hmm. you go back, right, to caveman, Mm -hmm. that, you know, late teens and and into our 20s was that time where we were um, using our appearance as an attractor for a mate, right? When Mm -hmm. we go right back to very, very um what I'll call caveman type thinking, right? Mm. And so, I mean, it's probably in our DNA and our genealogy, whatever we call it. Um, and then when we get into our 30s, we start to investigate. It's like a lot of the time we might have young kids and we go into a different, you know, our feminine comes into that real nurturing aspect. And so it comes into this different nurturing, nourishing, mothering, all that aspect. And then as we come into our 40s, what I found is that people then come into their 40s and go, hang on a minute, who am I? Like there's part of me that feels like I've left behind. Mm-hmm. And instead of going back to that external part that we can see how we were in our 20s, it comes into a deeper and richer space of how do I feel that? Because sexy in the wardrobe is not all about how does it look for other people. Actually, it's not at all about Mm. how does it look for other people. It's like how do I ignite that creative, full juice force of being a woman Mm. inside me in what I wear? Mm -hmm. That's that's why I love working with um with people who really get that it's how you feel in your clothes as mm-hmm. much as, you know, I mean, it always looks amazing when you're congruent from the inside out, full stop. Mm. Like that's just mm. a given. But it's really how do you ignite that feeling on the inside? Mm. Yes, I, I agree totally. And it was, I think it was for me, it was really poignant to um, to feel into that at the stage I was at because I realised that I was denying that part of me or I was just like, ah, oh, nah, it's too many other things are important or put that to the side. And it was actually, no, that is a really fundamental part of who you are as a woman and stepping more into your power, particularly in your 40s and and who you are and who you want to be and all those kind of things. And I think that was such a big missing piece for me to go, yes, where does that sit for you? You know, once upon a time what you thought sexy might have been may have been um you know, more showing more skin, you know, or short skirts, all this, but it's actually not none of that. And it's I love how you explained it. It's it's how you feel in it, not so much how it looks. And that that was a big piece too that I was like, oh, okay, hang on, that that's how it actually can work. Mm, beautiful. Beautiful. Cause it, I mean, sexy can we can feel from amazing underwear too. Mm, you know, and, yeah. and lots of I mean it's different for everyone. And I think the part I want to touch on for a moment there for is if you look at your essences, right, which are elegant, sexy, and also playful. So we'll get to playful mm. next. But elegant and sexy was really the feminine standing up saying, mm. excuse me, I want to be seen. I want to mm. be heard. I want to be, I want to be full mm. in this, in this embodiment of you. Mm. And when you think about what was laying on your bed to begin with, with <laughs> The leggings, oversized top, it was very, and, you know, blacks and blues, it was very masculine. Mm, And again, mm. to everyone, no right or wrong, good or bad, but it wasn't congruent Mm. with what was wanting to really show up in you. And Mm. um, when we we push our feminine aside, I'm curious to understand were, if you think back to that time, was your masculine running more of the show than your feminine? Oh, 100%, for sure. I don't think the feminine was getting a look in anywhere. And I think it was, it was, and I think this is what came up because we talked about what I would wear when I was going out and I was presenting or I was teaching and I would really put on masculine clothes because it was part of me going, I have to prove myself, I have to show that I can play with the big boys, I have to do this. And I was really coming from this, I have to come across and be powerful. So what I'm saying lands. And I was, I was completely denying any of that feminine aspect within me. And I could really see that in my clothes of what, what I was wearing and what I was choosing, because I think where I was at that point was my belief was 
yeah, you still have to prove yourself in the world. And, and that came with a real masculine force instead of actually resting in the feminine of not needing to prove anything and just being in flow and being able to speak from that centre. And that, and that was, again, just a massive epiphany for me of like, wow, I'd like to think that I am in the feminine and that I'm doing lots of work in that space. And actually I was really just deeply in the masculine. Got it. So tell me, are you more in the feminine now? Hundred percent. Like yes, 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 yes. Like every time, every time I go and do a talk or I have to present somewhere, I always come back to who's leading. And so I always am like, okay, I really dress in a way that can still feel powerful, but is really feminine. Like is really like, where is she? Because that's who needs to speak now. Not, And I've seen a massive, massive shift in myself by leading with that now, not the masculine. I have to prove myself. And what's interesting, I've been doing a speaking tour for the last month and um, I had to go into state and I packed my bag really quickly and what I took was probably a more masculine outfit than what I would normally do. And then I went and did the talk and I didn't feel right because I was like, ah, I shouldn't be wearing this. It's too too hard. There were too many hard edges and, like you know, structure. And I was like, oh, there's no flow here. I could feel it instantly. But I didn't have my other clothes with me to change. But I was like, oh, that was really interesting. I could see, I could see the difference it made. So two questions out of that. Mm-hmm. Within that masculine outfit, we, what essences were present and what wasn't getting um, a voice? I would say the the elegance was there, but there was no sexy or, or playful. Yeah, got it. It's fascinating. No, it was, it? yeah. When we, and isn't it interesting that, or interesting, I mean, it, it is, but that's, I think that's a blanket word, interesting, but I find it, extraordinary that we still look at this world and and assume that the masculine power is stronger mm-hmm. and i know that a woman in her power mm. is has so much more power when she is in her feminine power because it's so um, mm-hmm. uh, congruent to the truth of who we are Mm -hmm. For us to try and embody lots of masculine energy and go in and and really find our true power there, our true power is when the feminine in us Mm -hmm. is held by the masculine in us. And it's Mm. our masculine needs to hold a container for our feminine, not to contain Mm. our feminine. And it's uh, I see this mm-hmm. so often, and my gosh, I'm awake to it in myself all the time because it's such an easy thing to fall into. And then when we start mm-hmm. to like you were when you were interstate, and we're alert to that. Oh, I haven't got this, and I haven't got that, and there's she hasn't got enough of a voice. And it's then we really get mm-hmm. to see how powerful we really are mm-hmm. in the feminine. Like, and that's what the world needs, right? We need more powerful mm-hmm. feminine. That's what we need because this Mm -hmm. power base, it connects us with our intuition, it connects us with our heart, it allows us to operate in the world in a whole, in a very let's receive it in and then give it out. And it's so different, so different. Yeah, yeah. Can we? Yeah, and I I see that even, um, I see that even sometimes how I deliver talks. I can see what lands when it comes from that place and when it lands when it comes from the other. And I can absolutely see that. I can, I, I'm so aware of that sometimes. And, and you know, I often deliver the same talks and then I'll come back and go, why did that one feel better than not that one? And, and it's really interesting to just reflect and see where I was in myself of, of how it landed. Oh, I love that. I absolutely, I absolutely love that. And I concur with that as well. I do the same thing and I know if I've been in a more of a masculine push, I've got to get this right, you know, over-prepared, all that kind of thing. That's my masculine really tampering with me. And mm. I, I, I just don't connect with people in the same way when mm. I do that. Mm. Your third essence um, was playful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's chat about how what playful, do you remember when you came to it in in the session and how that was playing out? Um, I don't remember so much about that one 
because I think I've probably always had a little bit of that in me. Like that was the one that was most comfortable to be in because yep. I've always felt that I, I can be a little bit like that. Um, just wanting to be a little bit cool. Um, my kids would cringe if they heard me say that right now. Um, but it was still trying to be a little bit like, I can wear cool trainers or, you know, I can be like this or be like that. I think that's where it was turning up for me. It, it didn't feel as confronting as the other um, mm. essences for me. It felt just like, oh, remember this piece and this piece is important because it keeps things a bit lighter and it keeps things... Um, yeah, it keeps a cheekiness alive, which I liked. But then trying to figure out how to bring elegance and playful together was challenging for me because they felt like on different ends of the spectrum. So what I've noticed with a lot of people and what I noticed with you as well was child uh, playful was playing out in in more of a tomboy. So it was more of a masculine and more of a, a childish notion. So it was fascinating mm. to watch it, it grew up within that session because it was really, it went more into a feminine mm-hmm. stance, I should say, rather than growing up. Mm-hmm. It went more into a feminine stance. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to pull it together with elegance and sexy. And it just, it's almost like, I think on one level, it allowed elegant and sexy to be there without feeling too overbearing because it was a big transition to move into that. Mm-hmm. Do you remember a few months? Yes. About oh, maybe six to um, eight months later, I can't remember, you were going off to do your TEDx talk and we went for a shop to look at mm. how you're going to really embody the fullness of your mm. essences on a big stage, right? I mean, this is, mm. this is mm. massive. And um, what we found that day was that your um, playfulness, that's when it was really obvious because you'd done such a great job at bringing elegance and sexy into your embodiment in your outfits each day. So they were really mm. comfortable. And then it was playful that was kind of mm. feeling a little bit, whoa, what is this? How do I incorporate this? Mm. And, mm. Um, mm. and then that, do you remember that then moved up from playfulness in that child to more of a mm. mischievous, mm. which mm. took in like that feminine, like playfulness within it. Mm. It kind of had mm. almost like this, um sexy kind of piece to it as well but in a a non-sexy looking way if that makes sense it was mm. it, it had a, a sense of fun to it but a mischievous mm. yeah mm. so so yeah for sure i i rem- i remember the it, it, you re- you're actually so right it was like a growing up version of it because i remember then having to look at my wardrobe again and going, well, that what I would have chosen that was playful doesn't feel right anymore. Like it felt too childlike. And so I had to feel like I really felt like I needed to revision again some of what was in my around that. Yeah, fascinating, wasn't it? And people often ask Mm. me, do our essences change? And I'm Mm. a great believer that they do not change. All Mm. that happens is, um, especially in something like playful, pop, fun, quirky, they often grow up from child into adult. So the expression Mm. of those may change, but the core of who we are is the core of who we are. Mm. And that's what we find when we find Mm. your Mm. essences Mm. is it is the core, right, that comes out. So, um, Mm. yeah, that that Mm. was fascinating completely fascinating and I'd love Mm. to hear now Mm. how how do you go about this process in the morning and how do you know when you know you're in your essences and how do you know when you're not yeah um good question I think for me it depends what I've got going on during the day like no two days are the same for me it depends on where I am what I'm doing what what I've got on um and so that will often dictate, okay, well, where am I going to move within this? And sometimes it'll get changed during the day, depending again on if I have to go and do talks or have meetings or those kind of things. Um, yeah, look, you know, it was fascinating with COVID last year. I know that that was a whole other thing, you know, and particularly for your work because we were at home and we weren't being seen and the impact. And I did slip into for a while, oh, I'm just going to wear my trackies and I'm going to be comfortable. And then I was like, God, I'm not being very productive and realised that I had to actually have to get dressed every day and really, you know, move into what I want to do. 
Um, so that's really interesting. I find for me, particularly if I am working from home, which I do sometimes, putting on shoes is the difference between actually being productive and not because I could easily stay in my slippers or socks and stuff like that. But actually putting on shoes on some level grounds me to be like, right, we're working now or we're doing those things. So I found that that's been a really important piece for me is putting on shoes. Um, And I think it is, it depends on how sometimes I just choose where am I today? Sometimes I am a bit more playful than I am more elegant. And so I will kind of dress towards that. And it also depends on, what meetings I've got. Like I have a few boards that um, I'm on at the moment. So if I'm going to a board meeting or I'm doing that, what am I going to wear for that? And um, so I do feel like I want to be really my feminine power more so than anything. So I'll often dress in ways that really bring more of that elegance flow to to what I'm wearing because and then you know something to ground me you know so I don't know it's really interesting it's it's fascinating I think each day I go well where am I and what does that look like and I think even too I remember when I first did the essences with you I remember having a a chat with you going, how do I bring the essences into casual wear? How do I do it when I'm just chilling at home? And so that was also really interesting again to how do I bring that in in those different forms because it's a lot easier to bring that elegance and sexy into something more formal wearing, but what does that look like just in day-to-day or, you know, so, so I think it's, you know, for me, it does depend a lot on what I'm doing for the day or where I'm at or what I've got going on, but it's fascinating which essence leads sometimes. Yeah, that that is fascinating. And I think the essences do take on different leadership roles in essence to what we go through. When we have all three on, it's like, and just for the listeners here, it's like your essences do translate over all the different areas. Mm. And they just they just show up differently. So, for instance, for me today, I've got like soft wide leg pants on, which mm. brings in my grace, which is effortless elegance is one of mine, mm. right? And then, um, you know, just a transparent top over a cami bra, which brings mm. in for me sexy, right? Mm. Because it's I feel that. And then I have a mm. bold. So, yeah, I have my like my white mm. high tops on, which mm. hold that mm. bold. And I can, so as long as we bring our essences all together in the one outfit, mm. I, I had a bit of a chuckle to myself before when you said, you know, and I need to put shoes on when we're mm. in, when we're in lockdown. And I just had this little chuckle to myself. And I thought, you know what? Sometimes we complicate life. Life can mm. be as simple as, Put some shoes on and see how, yeah. you know, yes. especially when we're in lockdown. Mm. It's like the simplest things. I do the same. If, I, mm. if I'm if i slushing around with my Uggs like early on in the mm. morning and then I leave mm. those on, it's just that energy. Mm. It's because my masculine isn't holding my feminine. Mm. So there's mm-hmm. no structure to keep my feminine in like mm. moving through into the tasks that mm. she's going to be able to contribute to best. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, for me, I really need to ensure that I've got those and, and that my masculine is holding me. Otherwise, yes. I can be so much in my feminine that, you know, I float from, I, I just, I'm not grounded mm. enough to produce from that level. That's, mm. that's what can happen to me anyway. Mm. If I'm writing, say, music or, or putting a song together, I might mm. be fully in my feminine. And because it doesn't require as much structure for me at the time, the music is creating the structure, but mm. generally I need a good 80 to 20. And I think that's what we found mm. with you as well. And most women mm. I found it's mm. an 80 feminine 20. Mm. One mm. last question for mm. you um, around this is um, when you go into a period that um, you're, your masculine is winning over in your life. Mm-hmm. Do you find that that reflects in your closet as well? Yeah, for sure, hundred percent. I think when I am, um, so when I um, opened our school this year, and uh, I was working a lot, and it took massive amounts of work to get it open, to get it over the line, it was huge, and I was really actually had to be in the masculine a lot to drive it and to make it happen. And so it was interesting what I kept feeling wrong in my clothing, 
and I kept choosing stuff that was more that. And then I'd have to, I'd come home and my husband, who's beautiful and aware, would be like, you know, you need to drop the masculine because we both can't be men here. <laughs> so I'd be like, okay, and I'd, I'd have to try and get rid of that so I could drop more into the feminine. And I really battled with it. Like I really what I could watch it so clearly around what I was doing when I was playing out because, you know, even though I had to kind of tap into that masculine to do what I needed to do, I had to learn how to also balance it and switch it off so that I could drop more into the feminine. It was beautiful. My husband helped me a lot to to do that when I'd come home. But, yeah, it was really interesting what my clothing was doing in that phase. And I was aware of it, but it was almost like I couldn't stop it because I was like, I just have to get this done. And that's where I am. And and I go, well, what would I do differently next time? Well, I would pause more. I would watch more. I would go, okay, if I am being really driven by the masculine, how can I hold some of the feminine in that a little bit more? So it was, was really interesting. It was a great learning to watch what I was doing and how that was playing out. Mm, that's beautiful and I, I I just love your awareness and your husband's awareness and the way you work together in that it's mm. just oh I said it to you before I I love watching that I mm. and I know your husband as well and it's just it's it's just beautiful you know you mm. really embody that what it is to to really mm, like um, invest in your relationship and that mm. openness and honesty and moving each other through different periods with mm, that I, I mm, love it absolutely mm. love it so important yeah, um, yeah. and the the this will be a last question <laughs> curious to understand in the work that you do do you see any of the same patterns um how will I put this do you see the same kind of patterns coming up in people's lives because I know that you work with a lot of parents so we touched on before that you know they have lots of patterns that are playing out how would you do you see that um so you you discovered some patterns in yourself that you said you're aware of in other areas but you saw them come up here if you think back to say your clients do you think you can see some of the stuck patterns that are potentially happening in their wardrobes because you can see them in other areas of their life? hundred percent. Like I, I run an immersion group that like goes for eight weeks and we look at different aspects of the imprints we've received in our own upbringings and how they play out with our kids and family and all that kind of stuff. And one week we look at the feminine imprint, we look at what um, we were taught around being a mother is, you know, and for a lot of people it's all about servitude and putting yourself last and not taking care of yourself and setting having really poor relationship to self-care and being the martyr and, you know, just all these themes that are pretty um, consistent, I think, with with mothering and um and within that, then again, women will often be like, well, just because I know from what I've learned from you, you know, what are you wearing? And they're all joking and like, you know, I just live in my tracksuit pants, but I live in this and live in that. And it's really interesting when you say, well, what would it be like to, you know, not do that or to to actually have boundaries in your life or to claim some space for you? So many of them are deeply uncomfortable with it because, you know, on some level, you know, it serves us to stay stuck. And because, you know, and I often say to women all the time, you know, what would it mean if you did have more support? What would it mean if you did have um, space to lean into the passions and things you love? What would that mean? And and if everybody, they've got a different nuances to why that would be scary. But a lot of the time it comes back to the same stories of I might be judged. Um, I might then have to own my power. And it's much easier to just stay small than it is to be powerful. Um, you know, my family might disown me because I come from a family that says you must give all the time and if you're giving to yourself, then you're selfish or whatever. Like we all have stories and belief systems that we carry from what we've learned. And so I see it with mothers across the board and that and they often joke it is reflected in what they wear and and because we we carry a story that is so much about well let's put everyone else's needs first and and because I mainly do work with mothers that's we're very good at that and we've been conditioned to believe that and that actually doesn't serve the family at all because we know that when when mum or dad or whoever it is, you know, when we are taking care of ourselves and we're meeting our needs, we have a much greater capacity to meet others' needs, including our children. And our children don't want us to be in the depleted, struggling state. They want us to be the vital, powerful person we are. So they will often push until we do that work and get that message. So therefore, you know, we get it. And actually the more free we are, the more powerful we are, the less we project our wounds onto our kids. And then our kids are like, oh, thank God. I don't have to carry your story. I can 
go and be who I need to be now. So I think it just is a perpetuating cycle. And I think that, um, you know, I tell all the clients I work with about your work because I think it's a really important piece in owning and seeing where we basically devalue ourselves but also where we hide and, and the stories we have around it. Mm, for the listeners, I told you this woman is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I just, I just love it, and I love, I absolutely love the work you do. It's just paramount. It's absolutely mm. paramount importance, and I think that you know the families and the mums that work with you just get to, just to connect in with a part of themselves, which allows them to be so much fuller in their parenting and and those lucky kids right Mm. and I I just I I always come back to parents saying this that none of us were ever really role modeled this right like I have a beautiful mum but she never really role modeled taking care of herself valuing her femininity all those pieces you know she's a super wise aware mum but that, that wasn't modelled to me. That was not my imprint. My imprint was work hard, do four jobs at once, you know, give to others, you know, crap boundaries, you know, be of service. You know, that that's what I watched. I was like, okay, that's what a good woman looks like. So you keep going and keep going and you burn yourself out and you keep giving to others. And, you know, and that's that's what I believe to be true. That's what, that's what I was shown. And, of course, that doesn't serve you and I was burnt out and had to create all sorts of scenarios so I would learn there's an opposite way to do that. And, and I always come back to parents going, you know, when we want to raise our kids consciously, when we want to be able to look at our stuff, we have to be so kind and compassionate to ourselves because most of us were never modelled this. Most of us never had that experience of what it feels like to be deeply seen and heard by our parents. Most of us never had the opportunity to cry deeply in someone's arms and they hold us with deep compassion and empathy without judgment or trying to fix you, you know, and and these are things we're trying to do for our children or trying to be out there in the world. And it's hard because if we are the first generation that's changing this, it's clunky and we make mistakes and, and we have to keep practicing and practicing. But the more we do it and the more willing we are, then that's the imprint we're giving our children. And so, you know, for me, I have, you know, a son and two daughters and I was so adamant that, adamant that my daughters were going to have a different imprint around care, around um, loving themselves and their bodies, around having boundaries, all that kind of stuff. And they are fierce, beautiful teenage girls. I tell you, I look at them and go, oh my God, I wish I had their confidence or, you know, their voice, you know, when I was that age, because I'm like, well, that's what they've been shown. And so I think, you know, the work you do and the work I do is really fundamental to support women to know that who they are is powerful and this is and it's time we have to own our power it's time for us to actually stand up because the world needs it our children need it you know it is it is now and and i think that anything we can do to take steps towards that is um is a gift to the world Mm, i absolutely concur with you on that one we do need more powerful women out in the world and we need to be bringing more powerful women into the world Thank you so very much. I could talk to you for hours, as you know, sometimes we do. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, thank you so much for the podcast today. Leo, it's just such a delight to to speak to you. You You have got this extraordinary ability to just say it how it is from your heart, and I love that. Mm. I totally love that. Thank you for having me. I just... I think your work is so powerful. I think it's, um, I know I've said this before, I just think it's such a game changer for when when you're ready to really shift. Like this is just such a fundamental piece of growth. So I think it's amazing. What you do, Sarah, is just, it's amazing. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And anyone who wants to get in touch with Lael, her details will be below in the show notes. All right. Mm, thank Thanks you. So much, Lael. Thanks, everyone, for listening. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for joining me. Want tips and insights between episodes? Follow me on Instagram at wearingyourworth and find out about further training and learn more at wearingyourworth.com.